59. Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Maymaritis, the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Mr. Jason Snow. Guys, how's your Thanksgiving? Good. I ate a lot of food. I ate a ton, several platefuls, and I don't feel a sliver of guilt about it. Me neither. 100% agree. How was yours, Andrew? It was wonderful. Yeah? It was wonderful. You know who probably didn't have a good Thanksgiving weekend, though? Who? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah, they... Lost a heart, not even a heartbreaker. They lost a game that they kind of were never really in to begin with. They dropped a 7-5 on the season. It's their third loss in the last four games. And I want to ask you guys this. Are the Buccaneers still in your Super Bowl bubble? I'm going to lean no, and here's why. This team is being held back. Plain and simple, they're being held back. And... I think it's because of Bruce Arians. Now, I know Brady has been playing well, but Brady is a guy who has been playing the same way for 20 years, dominating. Then he goes into this offense that's no risk it, no biscuit. You know, Bruce Arians throwing it on every play. They barely run it. They barely ran it against the Chiefs, by the way, which we killed them for that when they played the Saints and they didn't run it. They did the same exact thing against the Chiefs. You're not going to beat the Chiefs at their own game. You're just not going to do that. you got to run the ball. This team is being held back by coaching. They have the roster to do it without a doubt. They have Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. They have Mike Evans. They picked up Antonio Brown, who has had flashes but hasn't really popped yet. Gronk has looked really good the past couple of weeks. you got Chris Godwin, who's been playing well, even with a broken finger. I mean, and their defense, their defense looks amazing, except when they're getting torched by, you know, superior offensive talent. But, like, they've had games, like, against the Packers where they just hunker down and, you know, they don't let anything get past them. The thing that's holding this team back is the coaching. I don't know if it's Bruce Arians just getting kind of carried away with his his system and, oh, I'm going to make sure, like, we're going to do it my way or the highway and there's no, there's no one else that's going to change. Like, we're never going to change this, this setup because this is how it's going to be. That's not going to win. That's not going to do anything because teams already are guessing what you're going to do. They know you're going to throw it every play. Brady's trying to make stuff out of nothing and he's throwing interceptions left and right. It's just not working, and I think it's the coach's fault. I'm with you on the reasoning, and I think they are being held by mostly by coaching. And I, I don't mean to sound like a Brady fan here, but the interceptions haven't been great. Brady could certainly play a lot better, and he deserves some portion of the pie in terms of blame. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Super Bowl bubble, I think they're still in it. And I know, Andrew, you make that face and you kind of grimace at that, and I understand because they haven't played well. But they suffer from kind of the same thing as the Browns have the couple the past couple of years. They beat the teams they should, but aren't competitive in games where they're playing really good teams. And that's concerning. And I understand that, but I feel like part of me, this roster is kind of too good not to be competitive when it matters most. I mean, if you give Tom Brady the defense that he has on paper and you give him Mike Evans and on paper, this should work, but 
part of me feels like they're going to turn a corner a little bit. And I'm going to say this. It's not easy to play for a coach that doesn't wholeheartedly believe in you. And, and Bruce Arians has come out in the media countless times, what three, four times throughout this regular season, the regular we're in week 13 right now. We just ended week 12 and I can count on my fingers four times. Bruce Arians has outed Tom Brady, the media. Yep. Happened less than two weeks ago. He was like, it really, it all boils down to whether our quarterback plays well. He doesn't miss those deep balls in practice. Like really Bruce, really? And you know, I think the Bucks should really consider, and I would, I would encourage this that they get rid of Bruce Arians after the season. Ooh, and hot takes! I love it. Is it though? I mean, if you I look mean, at the penalties and you look at the undisciplined, and you know, going back to last year, I did some research on this. Last year with Jameis Winston, albeit they were the most penalized team in football, and they they relinquished over a thousand yards in penalties, tied with Jacksonville. Now, if you're tied with Jacksonville in anything, that's not a good thing. So they're undisciplined. And this, is, this happened before Brady. And, and this year, they're not the worst in penalties like they were last year. I think they're, what, like 12th? But I think it all boils down to coaching. I mean, what do we say? Penalties are tied to coaching. So part of me feels like it, it was a boom or bust and there's no middle ground there. But I wouldn't want to face them going into the playoffs, that's for sure. I mean, you give Brady those weapons, you give him all the, on paper, it should work. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, you know, you know, a lot of what you're saying, but I disagree with you on two things. They're not in the Super Bowl bubble, and Bruce Arians shouldn't lose his job. I think, you know, right now, the Buccaneers are kind of where I expected them to be. They're 7-5. and five. Uh, I didn't think they were going to win their division in the first place. And just with the way things are shaping up the NFC, I don't like their chances. The best possible record Tampa can have this season, as of right now, is 11-5. The remaining schedule, home against Minnesota, at Atlanta, at Detroit, home against Atlanta. They should sweep those four games. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the Saints, their, their schedule the rest of the year, at Atlanta, at Philly, home against Kansas City, home against Minnesota, at Carolina. I got them ending the year 13-3, their one loss coming to Kansas City. The difference in their record, the two games that these two teams played head-to-head. Yep. They're not, the, the division's out of the question for Tampa Bay. It's out of the question. And just, if the playoffs were to start today, Tampa's first-round matchup is on the road against Green Bay. And I don't like the, that matchup. I do not like the idea of a Florida team going into Wisconsin in January trying to face an elite quarterback, an elite offense with a defense that's been playing well all year in the playoffs, especially a team that hasn't made the postseason in 10 years, in more than 10 years. I don't like their chances. Well, when I say that they're in the bubble, I'm, if we're looking at this like visually, and there's a, there's a circle, right? And that's the bubble. Kansas City's probably right in the center of it. Tampa Bay, they're probably on the perimeter of it. They're probably on the circumference. Take me back to uh, geometry. I, I don't there know. I, I, I feel like there's, there's a small chance they could make some noise. And again, Andrew, I completely agree. I don't like the Green Bay matchup. And I, if it came down to that, I feel like the Packers would win it comfortably. But I'm not going to bail my stock yet. And, and Andrew, I completely agree. They're right where I thought they would be. What we pick, I feel like we picked them at what, 10 and 6, 9 and 7, something like that. I mean, yep. we didn't pick them to go 13 and 3, 14 and 2. I mean, this was going to be an adjustment thing for them. 
I don't know. I feel like, give me two more weeks. Come back to me. We'll probably do a segment on this. Give me a couple more weeks to reevaluate the Bucks, and, and they might look good coming down the stretch, but I don't know. Part of me feels like they have a fighter's chance. Yeah, and I think an interesting thing too is like whenever the Buccaneers lose, it's like the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. They win, everyone's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're playing really well. When they lose, it's like shut it down. Because when they lose, they lose horribly. And, like and no, usually, exactly. barely anything to take away from the losses. When they lose, right. they play like a sub-500 team. Right. And why do, they, why do they play like that? They beat themselves. They beat themselves. Can I, can I bring up a stat just for a second? I was reading this article in The Athletic this morning from uh, Greg Oman, who covers the Bucs for The Athletic. In the last four games, the Buccaneers are getting outscored 49-7 to in the first quarter. You can't be digging those kind of holes for yourselves and then expect to win a football game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got Tom Brady, and that you know that can close the gap a little bit, but that means you had to play mistake-free football for the rest of the game. And that's something that we know the Bucs can't do. They are too undisciplined. Yeah. It's, it's... Can I add on to that? Yeah, go ahead. 49-7 to 7 in the first quarter. Now, this is... Everyone knows, at least in the start of a football game, the first couple drives, scripted. Yeah. They know what they're going. They're, the coaches know what they're going into. The coaches have pretty much the first drive at least. They know the plays that they're going to call. They, they already have that prepared. Second, third quarter, you're doing a little ad-libbing. You're, you're feeling out the game. Now, I would argue first quarter, coaches has the most influence. Am I wrong in that? And, and no. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but I, I, I show a lot, of, a lot of this on Arians. And there was a story that came out yesterday, Tom Brady press conference, cut short after, what, three minutes? Because he was asked a question about Bruce Arians. Now, if you're going to embrace Tom Brady and you know what you're getting yourself into when you signed him, you knew he was kind of rigid. You knew he was all into win. He was kind of kind of Kobe-like, kind of so disciplined he might rub you the wrong way you know what you're getting yourself into. Now, you, I, I feel like going forward, you know, looking past this season, and this kind of goes back to my theory about maybe getting rid of Arians. If you, if you want to win, you need, a, you need a happy Tom Brady. And it's not going to happen with Arians. I'm sorry. It's just not. The, the relationship's frayed. It was, it was uneasy after the first time. The media got a hold of an Arians quote. It was uneasy after... Arians was like, yeah, we don't need Gronk to be a receiver. We have other receivers. Just the, I don't know, part of it just rubs me the wrong way. It's just a little passive aggressive. I don't know. I yeah. just don't like the way he's running things. So, I mean, what, seriously though, take out three good years of Carson Palmer and what is Bruce Arians? Not good. He's a and he's a and there, was, there was a stat during the game on Sunday where it showed every quarterback's first year under Bruce Arians and how many interceptions they threw. All of them were over over 18, at least. Brady had the least. He, I think he has like 10 on the season or something like that. But everyone else had 18 and up. You know, the most being Jameis with that 30 interception season. Like that's – and if there's multiple quarterbacks, some of them are, you know, really good quarterbacks like Carson Palmer, Andrew Luck. Those guys were in the 20s for interceptions their first year under Arians. That's, that's a Bruce Arians thing. And when Arians is like – in practice, he doesn't miss the deep ball. 
In practice, it's practice. Teams don't well, in adjust. practice, he knows no one's going to try to hit him. Exactly. No one's trying to hit him. The defense isn't adjusting at halftime or doing whatever. Like, obviously, he's going to hit him in practice. And then in the game, it's a lot different. It's it's It just seems to me like Bruce Arians is trying to make this all Brady's fault somehow. It just That's just what it feels like. It's just like, okay, or maybe not just Brady, but like, this is anyone else's fault but mine. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we had a perfect game plan, but quarterback isn't playing well. Or, oh, yeah, you know, we, we did this and this happened. I'm just sick of the excuses. I'm just sick of the excuses. And you know what? Belichick would rip Brady all the time in New England. He did, and he did it in front of the team, in the meetings and everything. But he never, ever, ever went to the media about it. Never once. Whenever the media would ask about it, he would either deflect the question or he would say, Tom Brady's our quarterback and I'm happy with that decision. Boom, there. That's it. Arians, ask him about Brady. He's going to tell you like it is. And I'm sorry, but in sports, you don't say that stuff to the media. That's a cardinal sin right there. Hmm. I'm not sure if this warrants him losing his job, though. I yeah, think what really needs what really needs to happen is that Brady and Arians need to sit down together and sort of figure out a way for them to both get a little bit of what they want. Now, I don't think that Arians' game plan is perfect. It's not by any means. But there are elements to it that can be used and are better for the pieces around Brady rather than Brady himself. And if Brady can sort of get himself into that mindset just a little bit, then he'd be more comfortable. But what first what has to happen is that Arians also has to come back the other way as well. They need to find more underneath stuff. They need to find a legit slot receiver for him to have. You need to have a healthy O.J. Howard, or you need to involve Cameron Braden a little bit more. Because I just don't think Rob Gronkowski can consistently be what he was on Sunday. Yeah, he had a good game. Brady found him a bunch of times, but you can't rely on that. If you want to force the ball downfield to Godwin and Brown and Evans, you got to get the short game going. You have to get the play action going. That's, yes. what Brady, that's what Brady's comfortable with. And run the ball. Run the ball. Why? Like, oh, just... However, I, I think that that's something I have not an issue. I don't have an issue with it, but I think that's something that Brady has an issue with because his last few years in New England, that's what Belichick was trying to do. Belichick was trying to run the ball more. And that, that angered Brady because he won the ball in his hands. So that's, I sort of just like, I get what you're saying, but is it, does Tom know that's what he needs? Or does Tom say, like, no, I have to throw the ball 50 times, but we're not throwing it the way I'm comfortable throwing it? Brady's way too smart to think to himself, we don't need to run the ball. Like, he said, he's, he's been recorded multiple times saying, like, just run the rock. Like, I'm totally fine with handing off the ball because that means that we can keep the clock running. But was he in the last few years, though, in New England? Like, again, let's go back to 2018, there's, there's 2017. No, there's no evidence to support that he was, that oh, he was I, running I th- the ball. Where's your I'm evidence? On the, the unhappiest eight-no quarterback in the league? Yeah, that, that, there's my evidence right there. What? What? When he said last year that he was the unhappiest eight and zero quarterback in the league, because he thought he could be playing better, it's not because he wasn't getting the ball. It's not because they were they were oh. running the ball. I don't know Brady. Look, if you're if you're a football team and you're a football coach, you need to run the ball to win games. This is this is common I'm, sense. This I'm is football one hundred and one. Brady knows this. You think you really think Brady after that Saints game and after the Chiefs game is going? Wow, we should have thrown it more. Really. No. I think what he thinks is that he, he needs to throw it more in the way uncomfortable, in the way he's comfortable. 
I don't know. You got you got to run the ball. You got to get the play action going. Going back to Brady and Arians, I just feel like it feels like they're taking him for granted. Yes. And and Brady went there to win Super Bowls. Now, if I'm if I'm the Tampa Bay GM, and I don't mean to keep reiterating the same argument, but if I'm the Tampa Bay front office, is there a Tom went there to win Super Bowls? Is there a way? Is there a definitive feeling that they're going to win a Super Bowl under Bruce Arians? I don't think so. Now, and when you come out and say that stuff, and it it rubs me the way that I feel like they're taking him for granted. It's almost like, all right, take back Jameis, and you wouldn't be anywhere near the Super Bowl conversation. The only reason they're even in mine is because of Brady. And, yeah. and it's almost like, where's Jameis right now? Have him back. Where's Jameis? Seriously. Would you be better off with Jameis Winston? No, you wouldn't. I... So that that's just how it comes back to me. And Ben, I, I agree with you. They need to find that balance. And Andrew, I also agree. With, I don't mean to be a cop out here, but I agree with both of you. They need to find a way that Brady is more comfortable and they need to find a way to run the ball more. And there's a balance there. I'm just not so confident the, the Bucks coaching staff can find it. I think if they can sit down with a legitimate offseason and sort of hash this out in training camp, they can get it done. But you're too far into the year to install a new game plan. You got to run with what you have now. Yeah, it's too late. It like the 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 breaking or the the cutoff point was probably like week six, and we're way past that now. Yeah, there's a, we're we're too close to the playoffs. Just you know, do work with what you can now. See what you can do in the playoffs. And Jason, you're right. I mean. The only reason I thought the Bucks were going to be anywhere near as good as they as they were was because of Tom Brady. That's it. I mean, it's basically the same roster. Well, not the same roster, but same same offense as last year. Okay, Jameis led the league in yards last year, but he also led the league in interceptions. Brady, right now, I mean, the only guy ahead of him in yards is Mahomes, and I mean, he's not leading the league in interceptions, but he he has he has quite a few. I mean, last year I think he only threw eight or nine. Now he's up over double digits. But that's, again, every quarterback's first year with Arians, they're north of 18 interceptions. So I don't know if Brady's going to get to 18. I mean, Carson Wentz has 15 right now, and that seems like a – oh, Carson Wentz, God, he's just terrible. But that's for a different segment. But, yeah, I don't know. The Buccaneers just – when they're good, they're great. And when they're bad, they're all-time bad. All time bad, all time. But I don't know. We'll see what's what, uh, it's in store for the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, heading down the stretch of this season. But next, we'll get into the rest of Week Twelve. Week Twelve. Week Twelve. NFL wrap up next on the final call. Back on the final call. Into Week Twelve in the NFL. Ben, who's your team of the week? My team of the week, I was kind of flipping back and forth between two of the AFC powerhouses for mine. But I'm going to lean I'm going to lean with the Tennessee Titans. And <laughs> Jason is not happy. My other team was uh good old Kansas City, but I wanted to switch it up. I wanted to to be different here because I I know we're going to talk about Kansas City in this segment, but Tennessee 35 minutes, time of possession. They just ran it all over the Colts. I'm sorry, Jason. 
they just they they feasted on the Colts. I'm sorry. The Henry Express was running wild. Everyone was on board, and they 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 couldn't do anything to stop Derrick Henry. And the defense that you know vaunted defense that all season we've been like, wow, that that Colts defense is a is a legitimate championship caliber defense. Yet Derrick Henry cut through him like Swiss cheese. So I I like the I like the Tennessee Titans and. You know, they they impressed me, and they they put up a forty five point game on the arguably the league's best defense. I mean, they're up there, top five for me. So, Tennessee Titans are my team of the week. You done trashing my team, Ben? I had to take my headphones off. I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, it's all love, buddy. I mean, hey, no, I get it. They, they've hey, they've impressed me so far. It's just that that game that they just got outplayed, man. Yep, I agree. And for that reason, they are the Titans are my team of the week as well. And I, there's no way getting around it. And I might uh, repeat some of your points, Ben, because I took my, my headphones off. I didn't hear a, a word of it. Um, 229 rushing yards. Couldn't get around that. Derrick Henry, absolute workhorse. Uh, three touchdowns on the day, 6.5 yards per carry. Um, an interesting stat. And I was thinking about Derrick Henry the other day. And he's like, nobody can take him down. And I was thinking... I feel like i've heard like this scenario like would you rather tackle derrick henry or like go to war or something like that and there was a question and um derrick henry hasn't fumbled since december 1st of last year one year to the date of this recording how was that he hasn't fumbled i I wasn't even surprised to hear that he fumbled five times last year i couldn't believe it they were a little the the Titans were a little penalty prone, uh, which is a little off brand for them, but uh, they own time of possession, like you said, Ben, at the beginning before I took my headphones off. Um, ten, in, we'll touch on Baltimore, I'm sure, but Tennessee, I was surprised to see ninth best odds to win the Super Bowl. Isn't that, a, I feel like that might be a little low for them. Um, I agree. They're below agree. teams like the Rams, the Bills, even the Bucks, the Seahawks, who are a little thin on defense in, in, in Green Bay. I don't know. I've, I, might be a seven going forward, but I feel like they might be like they might be a little low at nine. Is all I'm going to say. So Tennessee thrashing my Colts, hated every second of it, but got to give uh, tip of the cap credit where credit is due. Yeah, I get it, but I didn't pick the Titans. I picked the San Francisco 49ers in my team of the week. Solid, underrated, yeah. gutsy victory on the road against the Rams defense. Absolutely embarrassed Jared Goff. His QBR on the day was 52 and had four turnovers. Is I thought Debo, it was that bad. <laughs> it was, it was, that's bad. Yes, that is not good. <laughs> Debo Samuel caught 11 passes for 133 yards. And yeah, Nick Mullins, you know, nothing to write home about, but he let the team on two drives late in the fourth quarter to set up a couple field goals to win the game. And I just say, you know, with all the injuries that the Niners have, un- have endured this year, Missing guys like Garoppolo, Kittle, Bosa's been out since like week two. They're still somehow mathematically in playoff contention. Will they get there? No, probably not. But they can definitely upset a few teams heading down the stretch in the next few weeks. Good pick. I like it. Important divisional win, too. All right, Jason. Who's your good noodle? My good noodle? I... I texted you guys and I was like, it's Tyreek Hill and it's not even close. But when I really started to dive into it, especially how the Bucks kind of contained the big play going down the stretch, I was thinking, you know, shout out to Antonio Gibson of the Washington football team. Uh, played an incredible game in Dallas on Thanksgiving. So it made a lot of Washington fans happy, but I got to go with Tyreek Hill. I mean, what more can you say? 
<laughs> was on track for at one point 800 yards on the game, 200 in the first half, 229 receiving yards on the day um, against one of the best defenses in the NFL. <laughs> he, he just amazes, he ceases to amaze me. Um, two active players have had more yards in a game, Antonio Brown in 2015, Julio Jones in 2016, 15th most receiving yards in a game. I really thought there was a chance he was going to break that record at one point. Um, He was only 67 yards short of the record. And I'm going to give Mahomes a a piece of the award as well. 462 yards, four touchdowns. Good God. He absolutely torched the Bucs in Tampa Bay. And you know what? Mahomes is my MVP right now. I, I said if Mahomes lights the world on fire against Tampa, he is by far my MVP. And that happened. So, and you know what? It, it's quite typical because I think it was in my picks video or it might've been on this show that I said, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are the best quarterback wide receiver tandem in the entire league. And how fitting is it? Not even two hours. DeAndre got shut down by Stefan Gilmore. That Tyreek Hill and Patrick Holmes just absolutely spit in my face. How fitting is that? So it's, it's Mahomes and Hill, not even close. Uh, they're my good noodle. Yeah, for me, there's not much to contest there. Uh, It was pretty cut and dry to me that Tyreek Hill and Mahomes are my good noodles. I was ready to come on here after the Colt or after Derrick Henry just ran all over your Colts, Jason. I was ready to come on here and you know bang my fist on the table, Henry Express, baby, choo choo, all that. I was ready. And then Tyreek Hill went for 203 yards in the first quarter against a defense led by Todd Bowles that's on paper one of the best in the league. Man, and listen, when you backflip into the end zone (laughs) after a 75-yard touchdown, when you just burn Carlton Davis, Carlton Davis is probably going to need psychiatric help because he's going to be seeing Tyree Kill giving him the peace sign in his sleep. That, that was like guy. the Steph Curry turnaround three-pointer from half yeah. court. Yeah, oh, that is, that is just, in. oh, the disrespect, the unmitigated gall. Just, oh, disgust. The routes he was running, so precise. He's so fast that on the first touchdown, Mahomes threw it as far as he could, and we all say on this show that Mahomes has probably the strongest arm in the league. Mahomes threw it as far as he could, and, Mah- and Tyreek Hill was so fast that he had to backpedal and slow down to catch the ball because he was just, boom, gone. Fastest player in the league. Um, and honestly, he's playing like the best receiver in the league too. I mean, I know he's short. He's like 5'8". I don't even know how tall he is, but he catches everything that comes near him. Everything. He has sticky hands. He has fast feet. And he's my good noodle of the week. He's, he's the cheetah, man. He's, he's crazy. I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle. Yeah, Tyree kills my good noodle. I don't have to say anything else about it. I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle. <laughs> Anticlimactic. There's nothing else can say yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, hey, there's, I mean, but like seriously though, seriously though, like, Tyre, yeah, have you seen anything like that? I mean, like, like Calvin Johnson had a 300 yard game. I, I mean, once I saw a double rainbow, that was pretty cool. Okay, well, yeah, I'm talking about football. Like, okay, when Julio Jones had a 300 yard game, right? That was that was impressive. Don't get me wrong. I was like, wow, Julio Jones is amazing. But the way Tyree Kill did it was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. There was just the the defense had no answer for him. None. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh so let's we'll move on because maybe somebody can find some contention for. 
my dumpster fire, the Philadelphia Eagles offense, all 10 of them, well, not all 10, no, that doesn't make sense. Uh, everyone on the Eagles offense, excluding Carson Wentz, because that poor man, he's played horribly. He absolutely has. You're excusing the, him? I am, because the only reason that team was anywhere close in that game last night against the Seahawks because of Carson Wentz. Without him, that team has nowhere near three wins. They're probably in the same area as the Jets with that offense. They are that bad. No offensive line, absolutely zero skill out in the skill positions, zero talent. Ben, you want to talk about how bad the Patriots' offense, offensive weapons are? Can we look, just be thankful you're not Philadelphia. Yeah. Just be thankful there. And, yeah, Carson Wentz, he's made some terribly bad throws, some awful interceptions. But that's what happens when you're getting hit almost every play and you're running for your leg because your offensive line is made out of five turnstiles. <laughs> Horrible, that offense. And, yeah, you know, Carson Wentz, he's not excluded from blame this season, but just for this week, he gets a pass. Just, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. If you want, you know, you, you say Sam Darnold's a broken quarterback. Carson Wentz might be a broken quarterback because he's going out there. He's playing hero ball every game. He's trying to overcompensate for his team's lack of uh, lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I feel bad for the guy. That's interesting. The Eagles were in contention for me. They were because Seattle has such a flimsy defense. I was like, okay, Carson Wentz is a good enough quarterback where he can make it work. He'll go into Seattle and put up some points. Nope. That Hail Mary at the end of the game was all luck. I'm sure if Jason had a, had a six and a half point spread, that probably got ruined. Did <laughs> that get ruined? I didn't play that one. Okay, all right. Well, Carson Wentz and the Eagles are not my dumpster fire because I'm going with the team that was beaten by my team, which are the Arizona Cardinals. I thought the Cardinals were going to go into Foxborough and beat the brakes off the Patriots because, like Jason said earlier, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are special. They're one of the best quarterback wide receiver tandems in the league. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best athletes I've seen. Huge hands, sticky hands. One of the best receivers I've ever seen. So I thought they were going to go in there and you know put on a show in Foxborough against that defense, but they didn't. Stephon Gilmore held DeAndre Hopkins to 26 yards on four targets. That'll get, that'll get it done. Kyler Murray had a very pedestrian day, only put up 17 points, and Cam Newton didn't have a good game. Cam Newton threw a couple of picks, did not play well. After the final buzzer went off, you know, it was showing Cam saying to Josh McDaniels, I'm sorry, because he knew that he didn't play well. But as he said, he'll take ugly win over a pretty loss any day of the week. So I got to give him credit there, but... The Cardinals just looked like they weren't ready to play. I know they were missing Larry Fitzgerald, but he's not a he's not a game breaker right now. He's thirty nine years old. He's not going to get it done for you. I don't know. It just seemed like they were kind of sleepwalking. They they had a couple of good games strung together, and it just looked like they had no energy. They were, they just looked like they were kind of asleep out there. So, you know, the Arizona Cardinals just did not impress me this week, and they're my dumpster fire. I tell you what that. Just some bad coaching decisions from Cliff Kingsbury in that game. 
opting to go for it on fourth down on fourth and goal right right at the end the of the half. half yep that was a bad decision to take the points agreed but then again later in the fourth quarter kicking the field goal instead of going for it like i, I don't know like make it, up yeah, your mind. It, just, it just seemed like they were all over the place they didn't seem like they were really mentally there it just looked like they were kind of spaced out i don't know they didn't look like they were ready a couple of good choices there but i'm honestly surprised that I didn't step on any of your toes there because I'm going with a different pick. And Uh-oh. the Eagles warranted the label. They did. But can we get around the Raiders? Oh, oh yeah. God. Can we, can, can we talk about the Raiders? I mean, I'm surprised. This might be an underrated pick here. I mean, they lost 43-6 to against an Atlanta team that nobody really likes. I mean, Matt Ryan might be one foot out the door, but if you, Derek Carr, four turnovers, three fumbles, and a pick. Josh Jacobs even had a fumble. It was just 11 penalties for 141 yards. You're spotting them a football field and more. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, and this is a team that we've all been kind of wowed at, uh, wowed by, rather, like throughout the course of the season. Like, we all thought the Raiders were going to play like this kind of throughout the entire season. But now they're flirting around in, in the playoff on right below Baltimore. But this does not bode well for them. You know, John Gruden, I was a little... Suspect of the hire uh, when it first happened. What was a ten-year deal, hundred million, like three years ago? I, I didn't yeah. like the hire at all. But I would, I've been impressed by the Raiders. But this one is an absolute blunder. I mean, a- Atlanta. I wrote this down actually. Actually, three third-down conversions on the whole day. Forty-three is the most points the Falcons have scored since Week Four of twenty sixteen, prior to um, their Super Bowl meltdown. Can you believe that? Wow. So, and, and Atlanta's Edo Smith and Brian Hill ran for 120 yards on the Raiders. Sorry, but that's kind of inexcusable. That's a game the Raiders won, or at least lost competitively. They got the doors blown off them. So, inexcusable Raiders. Maybe that surfaces some questions about their uh, playoff credentials. But uh, I'm going with the Raiders. Dumpster fire of the week. Yeah, I I almost considered making the Falcons my good noodle. Well, the Falcons' defense. So I was looking yeah. at that game. The way they just destroyed Derek Carr, I thought they, I considered them, but he's like, you know what, Tyreek Hill. And yeah. then I just thought the Eagles were so bad. It, it was painful to watch them last night. Yeah. Quick question. Quick question. Uh, time to start Jalen Hurts. What do you think, Philadelphia? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know. I, I mean, don't think so. Yeah, on the because broadcast. Because if, if, Carson, if Carson Wentz can't do it, can't do anything with this team, what makes you think a rookie's going to be able to do anything? Exactly. That's what Brian Greasy was saying on the broadcast last night. It was like, well, you know, it's you throw in Jalen Hurts, it's the same offense, same offensive line, same receivers. They're not going to get open. He's going to get sacked, you know, and you don't want your young quarterback to get hurt. So why, why, why do that? You Same know? thing with the Pats, too. If, if, if Cam can't do it, Jarrett Stidham is not going to be able to do it. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yep. it's the same Great thing. Mm-hmm. Quick note about Derrick Henry, though. MVP watch. We, we, we shouted yes. out some running backs in the MVP watch the other day. Um, Derrick Henry should be climbing the ladder. Let's just say that. Also, really quick on Derrick Carr. He had a couple of good games, and everyone's putting him in like that top tier of quarterback, and, I'm, and I never once bought it. I, I was like, okay, yeah. Who Derek- was doing that? Oh, I Man. saw a lot of people. Jason, Jason was Jason. one of them. I didn't like fringe top ten. I don't know. He's as good as Matt Ryan. He was, but like, see, he had a good game against the Chiefs, you know. And then mm-hmm. everyone's like putting him on that pedestal, like, oh, like he's competing for like 
uh, being one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I was like, can we relax with Derek Carr? It's Derek Carr. And then he has that pitiful performance against Atlanta, and I was kind of like, yep, I knew he'd come back down to earth eventually. Well, I, I moved him above like Wentz, Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, and Stafford. I don't think that's too brave. I think that, I mean, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. No, I mean, that's... Segment for a different, uh, I mean, topic for a different segment. But coming up next, there's still one game left to be played this week. Ravens-Steelers will hopefully get underway uh, Wednesday night. We'll preview that game next. This song is brought to you by the one and only Jason Snow, who picked it to open this segment. It's only fitting. Final call, final count, final segment. Hey, final call and final countdown almost rhyme if you squint. No. Yes. They start with C. <laughs> counting counting uh, call, they will start with C. That's not what rhyming means at all. Close enough. <laughs> that rhymes. Close yeah. enough. Well, it's one of the eight songs I know to memory. So, you know what? My limited archive, my limited library. I, ben, I want to say this on the air. Thank you so much for lending me your 700 zillion song archive on You're Apple welcome. Music. Hopefully, I can learn a thing or two in the coming week. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. All right. So, guys, Thanksgiving, I was so excited. Guys, eat some turkey, some stuffing, some, uh, some uh, butternut squash. Cranberry sauce. Mm. Ooh, that's the best. Have a couple Some rolls. Hot crust buns, maybe. Mashed potatoes. Ooh, a little bit of gravy. Mm. Sit down and watch the football games. But unfortunately, the only football games that were on were between the Texans and the Lions and Washington and Dallas. Because someone had to get COVID. They just had to. I wanted so much to watch the Ravens and Steelers on that game on Thursday night. And now, with that game basically just kind of being a wash, I'm, I have no interest in it. I mean, not that I would, zero interest in it because we're going to talk about it, but like the hype is like, oh, I was so gone. high for this game. I was the so, hype is gone. The thr- the thrill is gone, Jason. If you want, that's a song suggestion for you. The thrill is gone. It's gone. All right, I'll write that down. Give me a sec. How convenient though for Pittsburgh because they were set to play on Thursday. Short week. Now they, I mean, the Steelers were saying how they're mad that they can't play, which I totally understand. But you're going to play Sunday. It gets moved to Tuesday. Now it's going to move to Wednesday. And the Ravens don't have their starting quarterback. Not looking good for the Ravens. And, you know, Steelers are rolling right along right here. They're going to be 11 and 0 probably. And, you know, and a 3.40 start. How about that? That's a broad daylight. Yeah, 3.40 start. Gotta make, time for the, gotta make time for the Christmas tree lighting in Rockefeller Center. Thanks, America. Can't miss it. Yep. So, I mean, is it fair for this game to be played? Yes. It's fair because it needs to be played. Event. They, they can't cancel it. I mean, it could they move played. it to the end of the year? What's the point? It's like they move it to the end of the year you're just postponing it even more what's the point they've been training for like they were training all the way up to thursday 
and then it got moved to Sunday. They were still training for the Ravens. What are they going to do now? Shut it down and say, okay, you got to prepare for the next opponent. Forget about that. Wait till next to the end of the year. I don't know. Logistically, I don't think that works. I think they got to play it. Um, it's just unfortunate for the Ravens that they're in the situation. It's kind of similar to, well, not really similar, but with the, the Broncos situation, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But this was just very inconvenient for the Ravens, and it came at a very bad time because the Ravens are kind of trying to they're trying to win the division, and right now the Steelers have it locked up, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the question's fair is, is real, whether it's fair uh, for anyone, but if it's not fair to someone, it's Denver, because they had to go out on the field on Sunday against arguably, I won't say they are, but you could make the argument that against the NFC's best team, and that's the Saints, on their home field, which is a tough, tough place to play, but they went to the game without a quarterback. I'll say they went into a game without a quarterback, and they had more interceptions than completions. I'm sure that didn't surprise anyone here, but they were given, they were given a hand without a win in mind. They, were, they had no chance to win that game. None. Yeah. And no team outside the Jets wants to go onto a field with no chance to win. It's it's. Well, I mean, do the Ravens even have a chance in this game? They're missing what thirteen starters. If you have, and you're, and you're playing the best team in football, I mean, record wise. I get and that. I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I, I, I haven't revealed my opinion yet. Lamar's not going to play, right? Right. Well, Lamar's out, unfortunately. Okay. So it's. If you have a quarterback, if you have a professional quarterback that made it to the NFL, you have a sliver of a chance. Jake Luton went, almost went up to Green Bay and won. Like, you at least have a chance. Bronco, the Broncos weren't even given a chance to win. So it, it's, it's weird, and it's unfortunate for the Steelers that this happened twice to them. It's just luck of the draw, or bad luck of the draw, rather. But if, it, if it's unfair to anyone, it's unfair to Denver. They're, tr- they're right behind the Patriots right now. They're, they're four and seven. I doubt they get in, but they're trying to maybe establish a culture. They're trying to get into the playoffs maybe somehow, maybe kind of. So it's, if it's unfair to anyone, I think it's most unfair to Denver. I mean, I think it is fair. You know, this is what the players signed up for. This is all agreed on before the start of the year. And a lot of these guys could have opted out. And, you know, if you want to bring up the Denver argument, the difference is, though, this is, in Baltimore, this is a widespread outbreak, the largest outbreak in professional sports mm-hmm. of COVID yep. this year. Close to 22 people have caught it with the Ravens system. It's only just one position group. Yeah, it's the most important position group in Denver, but you still had enough players to fill the team. And it was only a select few you know, it's, it's, it's a sucky situation. You, you feel bad for the Broncos because like there was no chance they were going to win that game without a quarterback. But I mean, really though, like you had enough guys to feel the roster. We weren't sure with the Ravens this last week, how many more positive tests were going to come up. Yeah. In Denver, it seemed like an isolated situation and the, and the league, I think what they're being, they're being completely fair because you can't cancel a team's game just because they're just because they're not ready to play. That's your own fault. Yeah, and I, I think there was um, a story. I think Mike Florio was saying this to Peter King on Pro Football Talk, but he was saying how the Broncos' situation was 
there was an outbreak, but it was contained. It was contained in... It was just the quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, but what I use the term outbreak lightly. So it was a contained thing. So the rest of the team didn't have it, and they were ready to play. They just didn't have quarterbacks. With the Ravens, it's an ongoing outbreak that they haven't contained yet, which is why they kept postponing the game. So I kind of understand that line of thinking, and I understand why they're doing that. I just think... <sighs> It's 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 very tough. There's no right answer to doing these things. It's just kind of the league trying to make the most out of a terrible situation. And I just want to clarify, I'm I'm okay with them postponing the, the Ravens games. That that's fair. I just feel like they should have brought the well, Denver I, game along with it. Because at the end of the day, right. someone could have gotten hurt. Like yeah. especially an undra- I think it was an undrafted practice squad receiver. guy running around He's with a wide his, receiver, yeah. Wide receiver, yeah. Just running around like he doesn't know the like he does. I guess I, Andrew, you make a lot of good points that it's their problem and they should deal with it internally. And it's it is isolated and it's not to the severity of Baltimore. But I'm just saying it's not. I don't think it's exactly ethical to make fifty three fifty three guys in each roster, 106 players go out in the field and one team just just play for the sake of playing. I I I, I don't know. They did it to themselves though, Jason. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the point. They did it to themselves. And that's, you shoot yourself in the foot. The league's not going to step in and, you know, and hand you a blanket or hand you a band-aid and tell you it's all okay and pat you on the head. That's not going to happen. Mm. I these, think are, these are professional Jason, players. Yeah, I think where Jason's coming from, though, is like it's COVID and everyone's dealing with it. COVID I know, kinda, I know. Like, and, you gotta, like, I understand where, where you're coming from, Jason, but they did kind of like, in the NFL's rule of thumb, they did do it to themselves. They shot themselves in the foot, which is so – it's so annoying that that's how it is, but it, they contained it. They contained it, so that was why they were able to go out and play. If, the, if it wasn't contained and it was spreading throughout the whole team, they would have postponed it, but that's not what happened. I, I understand the, the explanation. I don't know if it's ethical. I, no, I, I hear you say because, I mean, it, it does seem a little, like – I don't want to say unfair, but it's just like, you know – if you're a Broncos fan, I'd be pretty angry too. Yeah. I'd be pretty angry too because this was a team, and they didn't have a great chance at the postseason, but they were still kind of math, math, mathematically in it. And they would have lost either way. But I mean, just the, it, this game was no chance to even, no reason to really watch it for Denver mm-hmm. yeah. and their fans. But we'll move on to the, the let's get back to Pittsburgh and uh, Baltimore. You know, we've talked a lot about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on the show over the last, you know, since we've started really, mm-hmm. you know, I want to ask you guys, why do you think they've fallen off? And I know Lamar hasn't, isn't playing this game, but why do you think he and the Ravens have fallen off from their pace last year? And do you think they, you know, what are their chances of heading to the postseason? I think it's cause they have a lot more film on them. Easy answer. Last year, Lamar's first full year as a starter. He only started two games at the end of the 2018 regular season. 2019, they get rid of Flacco. They bring in Lamar. He's the full-time starter now. And they kind of brought football back to that, you know, pre-passing era where it was all running all the time, a lot of options, a lot of zone reads. And they were winning games that way. And they rolled to the best record in the league. Lamar led the league in touchdown passes while having, you know, one of the highest passer ratings and also leading all quarterbacks by breaking the rushing record with like 1,200 yards on the season. I mean, most running backs don't get to that. So, I mean, he set the world on fire last year. And now 
teams just have more film on them. And there was a report coming out a few weeks ago that opposing defenses are calling out plays, uh, Ravens plays at the line of scrimmage. They just know they know how to game plan them this time. And, you know, now it's kind of last year, Lamar punched the league, right? Quote unquote, metaphorically speaking. And this year, the league punched back. They're saying, hey, we mm-hmm. have film on you now. So now it's Lamar's turn to come back next year with something new, something more different that he can kind of go out there and win games with. And, you know, it's going to it's going to be his arm. He needs to you know, they need some more receiver help, obviously. I mean, Marquise Brown can be a deep threat, but is he really that deep threat? I don't think so. I think they should go out and get a receiver in the well. In the draft, I think the but. issue is there with Marquise Brown is that it's not the type of receiver that Lamar needs. Lamar needs an over the middle type of slot receiver. This is also you know true. I mean? yes. Like I, I, when I said Lamar can't throw last year, I didn't mean he physically is incapable of throwing the ball. But this is what I mean: he can't push the ball downfield with his arm consistently. I mean. Not even sparingly. He can really, do, he he can do it. Just what he has to what he has to do is he has to get defenses cheating up to stop the run. But they figured out the run, so now he's relying on his arm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and they he know where he's going with the ball every time. Yep. You know they they want to cover the tight ends. Yep. He but they're not they shut down Mark Andrews. Nick Boyle's out for the year now. Uh, so it's Marquise Brown, it's Willie Sneed, it's Des Bryant on the outside, but those aren't the types of receivers. And you can't blame the lack of talent because I would say that Marquise Brown's a pretty talented receiver. He's in the same type of vein. He's the same type of receiver as Tyreek Hill. That's not the receiver that Lamar Jackson needs. Lamar Jackson needs a precise route runner. He needs like an Adam Thielen. He needs a Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type, Danny Amendola. He needs one of those. And, and to answer the question, what has held Baltimore back? I would say it's change. And I think there's a fine line between embracing the style of play you come out there with and reluctance to change. Because I feel like as hard as this may be, and you guys hit it right on the head with the over the over the middle receiver, but I would say even more so they need a Derrick Henry. They need a guy to, I mean, Mark, Mark Ingram was that guy last year, but yeah. look at Tennessee today. Look, look at him today you can kind of cover up the blemishes that your quarterback has if you bring in a guy who can run for 200 yards. Yeah. And, and, and Tannehill certainly, you know, we had questions about can Tannehill throw the ball? Can Tannehill win games? Can Tannehill win games in volume? The answer has been yes. And, and if I don't think Baltimore should abandon the run. They should change the way in which they run. They shouldn't be like, all right, Lamar, let's set up a pass play. Let's set up RPOs. Oh, nothing out there. Run. It should be, we're going to give the ball to Derrick Henry, run some RPOs that way, and, and, and relieve the pressure because it's, it's quite simple what they do. You, you build up a wall, and you can stop Lamar. He's not really the biggest naturally guy. He's not, a, he's not a tank. He's not a guy that can shoulder a lot of the load. If you give him a Derrick Henry, even more so than an over-the-middle receiver, which I also agree he needs – you can cover up some of those those faults that he has, but I, I would say he definitely needs to be more of a pre- uh, precise passer. And this is what we've been saying for years, um, going back with Lamar. I mean, I feel like Ben and I assumed, I, I don't know if we exactly answered the question, would he duplicate what he did last year and the extravaganza of saying like, yes, he would, but we expected more of a progression than we've seen. I think that's fair to say. And yeah. we kind of assumed that he would get there given the jump he made from the previous year. So he needs some more 
he needs a play style change, but not in the way that a lot of people may think. No, I get what you're. I get what you're saying when you mentioned he needs another solid running back in the backfield with him, someone that can also force the defenses to come up and cheat and load the box. However, I wonder though, does adding in that talent of a running back, right? Doesn't that take away from Lamar's ability? And maybe not like directly, but if you put that type of talent in the backfield next to him, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't you kind of splitting the carries? Because Lamar's best asset is still his speed and athleticism, right? No Don't doubt. you want to find the ways to, to use that and make that your primary weapon? I just feel like adding another piece back there is really the issue. And I think another big problem that we're forgetting is Baltimore had, what, 10 or 9 pro bowlers on their offense alone last year? It was something crazy, right? It was right? like 14, yeah. On, on their entire roster. But I mean, how many was in the, like, oh, the offensive yeah. line, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're incredibly banked up. Marshall Yonda retired in this year. Ronnie Stanley out for the year now. Yep. You know what I mean? So they're, incre- they're banged up in the offensive line. So that's leaving, that's leaving for more pressure. So you, there's not as many holes to run through. So I, I'm not, I don't want to say it's all Lamar's fault because it's not. The biggest thing he can change is figuring out how to throw receivers open, mm-hmm. making those tough throws. And that's a skill that is not easily learned. It's going to take him more than a year to figure it out, but that's what he needs to. That's what he needs to be able to do, because that's what I was saying last year. Like defenses will figure this out. It was great last year. He, you know, he lit up the league. He had. He was absolutely deserving of a unanimous MVP award. I won't argue that. But this is what I was saying all last year. I, you cannot name him a franchise quarterback yet until he can do it consistently until he can do that year after year and lead his team to 14-2 records and win playoff games. And that's what he hasn't been able to do. And he has his faults, but I'm, I'm just saying with the, um, with the play style changes that look at Tennessee, and I don't mean to compare them, but A, Tennessee's a better team today. And what differentiates them to me from Baltimore is that they can play from behind despite being run heavy. Absolutely. Because, because Derrick Henry, and you saw it in the Baltimore game even, Baltimore was up big. I think it was they were up 17 to 7 or something like that mid third quarter and, and Tennessee came back and won. But the difference is they didn't they don't live and die by the run. Meaning if Baltimore runs it over and over and over again, they're going to get stuffed to the stuffed to the line. And and Derrick Henry adds an aspect that he can get you 7 yards. That's that's equivalent to a pass pretty much. He can yeah, get you seven, eight yards on any given attack. But Lamar, the way they – and you saw it in the New England game against Kyler. They can, they can contain him. They can, they can bracket him in a way that can only limit you to like two yards and then you're three and out quick. That's the difference. Derrick Henry can get you seven, eight yards. Lamar – And three, with Ryan – I think another – no, I think you're about to make the same point I am, Ben. So if you want to go, go I was going to say Ryan Tannehill threw it 22 times against Indy. There you go. 22 well, times. Okay, so but you're, that's a good segue. Well, my point is, but the, uh, another thing that we're forgetting is, you know, we want to make the comparison between Tennessee and Baltimore. You can at least rely on Ryan Tannehill to make those big throws. Maybe not consistently, but he can hit A.J. Brown down the, down the sideline, right? Yeah, A.J. Brown, though. It doesn't matter. Does it matter? Right? Like, he, But you can still rely on Ryan Tannehill to, to throw a receiver open. Maybe not every game maybe not every play you're not gonna have him drop back there 50 times a game and start slinging it right but when you mm-hmm. need a big throw when you need it's third and te- it's third and long and henry's off the field right you can tell uh 
Ryan Tannehill to drop back in, in the shotgun and make a throw. You have the confidence. I have at least that trust. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think if if you look at Baltimore's receivers, no one really like shakes in their boots when they look at Baltimore's receivers. Like Willie Sneed, Marquise Brown, like I mean, good players, but I mean, they're just not they don't like jump off the screen at you. But then you look at Tennessee, and I know we're kind of getting away from the Steelers here, but t- Tennessee A.J. Brown is a stud. He's one of the best young receivers right now in the league, in my opinion. Okay, Corey Davis is solid. Like, they have – I mean, I think it's safe to say Tennessee has better receivers. But to answer – to kind of go off of your point, Andrew, I definitely trust Ryan Tannehill more on a third and ten than I do with Lamar throwing the ball. Like, if Lamar runs it, that's totally different. But Tannehill is just – he's more precise thrower of the ball, and I think that's because – Maybe T- Tannehill's 10 years older than Lamar. He's been in the league a lot longer. He's had a lot more time to develop throwing mechanics and how to throw receivers open, more mm-hmm. coaching, all this. This is Lamar's second year as a starter. I mean, he just, he just, he's going to get there eventually. It's just, he's, you know, he's what, 23, 24? He'll get there. He just needs the right weapons and he needs right. to have the right coaching. Real quick, let's hit the Steelers before we wrap. Steelers, they're 10 and 0. Are they the best team in football, and can they maintain this pace? Will, can you, do you think they'll go undefeated? Quick, no, they're not better than the Chiefs. They're not. Uh, but going undefeated, it, I think it's a slim chance, but I don't think it's zero. I mean, if you, look up their, if you look at their upcoming schedule, it's Baltimore this week, at Buffalo, Indy at home, and then at Cleveland. I mean, that's not, that's not exactly a layup. Um, and say what you want about my Colts, but that might be an upset alert. You'll see. Those are their toughest games going forward. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible that they go undefeated. I just, I don't know if I'd bet that way. They're not better than the Chiefs. Um, I think, you know, it, I, I like them better against the Chiefs at home. And I, would give, I would give Pittsburgh the edge in that game with that defense. But if they have to go to Kansas City, I don't like it. They're not better than the Chiefs. And I think even if they play in Pittsburgh, Chiefs win. You because, think so? Yeah, think so? I think that... Better offense beats better defense more often than not. So I know defense wins championships, but I mean, it's just going to be hard for Pittsburgh to, to cover Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and then have a guy like Patrick Mahomes. You got to account for him. Uh, but Kansas City is the best team in the league. Now, can Pittsburgh go undefeated? They can. They can go undefeated. It's going to be tough, but I'm already – I'm just going to say this right now because I know it's going to come up. If they go undefeated, they're not better than the 07 Patriots, for God's sake. I not. know I... they're going to say this. I know they're going to say this. They're going to start saying it. And let me tell you, with that, two, with that 07 Patriots, they didn't have a weakness. With this Pittsburgh team, they have shown me multiple times they can be beat. They just find ways to win. But they can be beat. So it's just up to these teams, like Jason said, those tough games – where you know they can potentially cause an upset, but I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if they go undefeated, but they have a chance. Talk to me after they play Buffalo, and, we'll, and I'll give you my take then. Yeah, that's sure. that's the game on Buff on the road in Buffalo Sunday night. That's the game that really that'll really tell me whether they're going undefeated or not. If they're th- if they're the real deal, but that's all the time we have for the final call this time around. As always, you can listen to us in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're interested in doing some reading, make sure you check out thescoreboardtimes.com, written by myself, and newenglandsportsunited.com, written by the one and only Jason Snow. 
you like, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FinalCallMCC. For Ben Mamaritas, for Jason Snow, I'm Andrew Fantuccio. This has been The Final Call on Radio Massasoit. Some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the thief